doing this series called The Way of Love. And there's a reason for that. It's really a complicated age in which we live. Anyone agree? It's really complicated. It's hard to understand how to respond to a whole host of things that are facing us uh, as 21st century Christians. How do we think? How do we respond? How, how can we make sense of a whole lot of things that are, are happening in our world? It, it, it is really, really confusing. And the, the reason that we are doing uh, 1 Corinthians is because Paul writes a letter to this church that he has planted uh, in Corinth, which is one of the major cities of the ancient world. Outside of Athens, it was the second biggest city in the ancient Greek uh, culture. It was well known for many things. It was a famous place. It was a rich place. It was an intellectual place. It was an immoral place. All of these things combined. And the people in the church in Corinth loved logic. They loved thinking. They loved wisdom. They loved figuring things out for themselves. And that was the whole basis of Greek philosophy. It was like, how can we understand the universe, who we are, and how can we understand all of these things? And they loved wisdom in the Greek sense of wisdom. And so Paul writes this letter back to challenge them and encourage them because there are a number of problems in the church that he's been made aware of by a lady called Chloe, who was a businesswoman, and she traveled between Ephesus, where Paul was when he wrote the letter, and Corinth, and she, in one of her business trips, heard the church wasn't doing so well, and it was only a young church, about three years old, and so because the church wasn't doing well, Paul writes back, and there are five major issues that he addresses them on. The first is unity in the church, and there's a problem in the church that the people are preferring one preacher to another, one leader to another, and they're kind of cheerleading for their favorite guy. And Paul kind of, to address that, starts speaking about their love of wisdom, that they think they know best about everything. And he challenges that in chapter 1 and 2 as he's talking about unity in the church. He addresses this kind of fascination that they have with being wise people and being clever. And so that's what we've been looking at for the last couple of weeks, where he's dismantling this sense of if you are a very clever person, you can understand naturally everything that happens. And he dismantles that and he says, actually, there's a kind of wisdom that you know nothing about if you don't know Jesus. There's a wisdom that is completely different that God has for your life. And he wants you to know that wisdom. And that doesn't depend on how clever you are or how philosophical you can be. It depends on the fact that God reveals himself to you by the power of the Holy Spirit. This mystery that has been hidden for ages, says Paul, that the ancients were longing for. Messiah, this God's wisdom, was locked up. And no one knew about it until the fullness of time at exactly the right moment, Jesus came and revealed to us the fullness of God's wisdom in his plan of salvation for every single person. And that's what Paul says is the most important thing. Not earthly wisdom. It can teach us. And I'm not a, he's not a, Paul's not against education. He's a highly intelligent, well-educated person. He's not against any of that. He's just saying this. There's wisdom that comes from God that you can't learn about in books, that you can't think about and reason yourself into. It is a gift that God gives you by the power of His Spirit. And He says we can receive this wisdom. And that's where we are in chapter 2 now. We're going to talk about how we receive the wisdom that God gives us in the person of Jesus. And so let's read together from verse 11 to verse 16. Uh, sorry, 
Guys, I did start in verse 11. <laughs> I forgot to tell you, so I'll just read it. Uh, For who knows a person's thoughts except their own spirit within them? In the same way, no one knows the thoughts of God except the Spirit of God. What we have received is not the Spirit of the world, but the Spirit who is from God, so that we may understand what God has freely given us. This is what we speak, not in words taught by human wisdom, but in words taught by the Spirit. I love this part, explaining spiritual realities with Spirit-taught words. Isn't that a beautiful way of putting it? We speak as Christians not in intellectual, philosophical ways. We speak in simple ways of spiritual things in words that the Holy Spirit gives us. And His promise is that at the, when you need the words, He will give them to you. Isn't that a beautiful promise? As we share our faith with other people. The person without the Spirit does not accept the things that come from the Spirit of God, but considers them foolishness and cannot understand them because they are discerned only through the Spirit. The person with the Spirit makes judgments about all things, but such a person is not subject to merely human judgments. For who has known the mind of the Lord so as to instruct him? But we have the mind of Christ. Isn't that beautiful? We have the mind of Christ. So here again, just to kind of summarize, Paul is saying there are two kinds of wisdom. The one is natural cleverness of people. Some are gifted at science, maths, complex, abstract thinking like philosophy. And that's a natural wisdom. That's what Paul is saying. That's a natural wisdom. And the Greeks and the Corinthians in particular loved that kind of wisdom. And if you look at our culture, it's still one of the things that is most highly valued in our culture. How much you are educated, where you are educated, particularly important, right? Where you are educated, you go to the right university, you don't go to the right university, you want to get ahead in life, you, you need to make sure that you are, you are doing the right things. And our culture still values these things incredibly highly. And I spoke a lot about that last week. And then Paul says, there's a completely different kind of wisdom that is not just human wisdom multiplied to its fullest potential. It's a completely different kind of wisdom that comes from God, and it is this hidden wisdom in Christ who is the salvation plan that God has for all of us, and it's a wisdom given to us only by the Holy Spirit. And isn't that an encouragement that every single one of us can know this kind of wisdom that God wants to lavishly give to everyone of His people. And so that's where I want to begin today, verse 11, just to tie into what I said last week. Who knows a person's thoughts except their own spirit within them? In the same way, no one knows the thoughts of God except the spirit of God. And I said to you last week, it's, it's very difficult to know what other people are thinking. Um, it's impossible for you to know right now what I'm thinking. Uh, you can be the most brilliant scientist, psychologist, uh, Helen, who knows me very well, Matt, who knows me very well. They might have a very good guess of what I'm thinking right now, but it would be impossible for them to know exactly what I'm thinking. And that's what Paul is saying in the same way. He's using this simple analogy that who can know the mind of God except the Holy Spirit who is in the Godhead, who's part of the Trinity. Only he can truly know the mind of God. Isn't that a thought? That's what Paul is saying. And the simple way that you can know what I am thinking is if I told you I'm thinking about what Chisholm is going to cook for lunch right now. That's what I'm thinking about. 
And it's easy if I communicate that with you. Isn't it? That's the Paul's point. It's, it's easy to know what someone is thinking when they share their mind with you. And in an obvious way, it becomes clear. Yeah, that's what they're thinking. And that's what Paul is saying here exactly. That it's the Holy Spirit that exactly and perfectly shows us the mind of God that we might know who He is and what He is thinking and what He loves and what He wants us to do. The Holy Spirit is such a beautiful person and a gift to us who enables us to know the mind of Christ. Isn't that an incredible thought that you can know what God is thinking? That's what Paul says here. And so... Do you notice, um, secondly, that uh, Paul says here, what we have received is not the spirit of the world, but the spirit who is from God, so that we might understand what God has freely given us. Do you notice the emphasis on God's grace and his kindness? We don't deserve any of this. He gives it freely. It's a gift. We simply receive it as we open our hearts. And so in the worship this morning, we could receive God's presence and I always find I get very, I am a weeper. I know that. That's fine. I'm not embarrassed about that. But when God is moving, I often cry. I just can't help it. <laughs> it's why, because he's so amazing. And he's with me. And he's softening those parts of my heart that are still hard. And when I think of get angry with someone because they've hurt me, it's in times of worship that those things just melt away. And God, once again, he just shows you how beautiful he is in your life and all that he's done for you and how he's forgiven you. So best you just forgive everybody that hurts you because he's forgiven me so much. And so that's why Paul says, we simply receive the Holy Spirit. I mean, I want to say that baptism in the Holy Spirit is a different thing. We all receive the Holy Spirit when we come to salvation. But there's another thing that happens. Do you remember in Acts chapter 2, it says they were all together and the Holy Spirit came upon them in a tangible way. And it's, we talk about that as the baptism of the Holy Spirit. There's a physical expression of something that happens when the Holy Spirit comes upon you in a special way and you are baptized, you are immersed in the Holy Spirit. That's a different thing. And we all need that as well. Uh, I've been work, walking with God now for many, many years, 40 years. I don't know how it's possible to walk with God without believing in a powerful manifestation of the Holy Spirit in your life. It's impossible. <laughs> then Christianity just becomes a system of rules and do this and don't do that and pay your tithe and come to the meetings and all that stuff without the Holy Spirit teaching, showing you that's all it becomes. And God's got so much more for us by the power of your Spirit. Amen. Love the Holy Spirit. Desire the Holy Spirit with all of your heart. We sang so beautifully. The, the young guys led us this morning in such a beautiful way. Such a pure way. Wasn't it amazing? God is good, man. He uses even the young ones, the children, to show us something of who He is. What a beautiful thing. And so when we receive the Holy Spirit... And when we come to faith, it doesn't mean that every one of us as believers has equal spiritual wisdom. It doesn't mean that at all. And it doesn't mean that we are all going to understand every spiritual mystery. It doesn't mean that at all. What it simply means is that every one of us as a believer can understand the basic Christian message, which is unattainable by human wisdom. That's what Paul is saying. This message, this mystery that we preach, you can't, you can't get it just by 
logic. It has to be revealed. It has to be given. It's a gift. As your heart is softened by the power of the Spirit, He comes and shows you. And then you can begin to see Jesus. That's a beautiful thing. And so the most clever person in the world cannot really understand the things of God apart from the Holy Spirit. And even the most simple person in the world can understand the mysteries of God with the Holy Spirit. And that is Paul, Paul's point. The greatest scholars cannot experience the goodness of the things of God without the Holy Spirit, but an ordinary believer with the Holy Spirit can. And so that's why Paul says here, the Holy Spirit shows us all things that God has prepared for us that love him. And that's what he shows us. And so we can know the love of God, the grace of God, the kindness of God, the patience of God, that God loves us as a father. And he brings those things fully revealed into our hearts and we begin to understand them in a different way when it's not just head knowledge, it's heart knowledge and it transforms your life. Grace changes everything, doesn't it? When your life is transformed by grace, it changes everything about your life. Do you notice thirdly, Paul says, the, only, the Holy Spirit enables us to speak about the things of God. This is what we speak, not words taught to us by human wisdom, by our education, our logic, our thinking, our philosophy, our cleverness, not by human wisdom, but in words taught to us by the Holy Spirit, explaining spiritual realities with spirit-taught words. And just because the wonderful thing of God's grace and love are unknown to naturally clever people without the Holy Spirit, it doesn't mean that it's impossible to talk about the things of God or to express them in words. And that's what preachers do. Isn't it? And that's what we can all do with our lives is we can, in simple words, declare the goodness of God to others out of what he's done for us. We don't have to be philosophical. We don't have to use complex words. We don't have to have a complicated speaking style to show how clever we are. This is not QI for Christians. You know QI? A panel of guys showing how clever they are about many, many subjects. Uh, Christianity is not like this. It's a simple message of a loving God who loves his people. Who wants every one of us to know him as a father. We can all explain that simply to others in a way that they can understand. Because we can share what God has done for us. And we can talk about his grace, his love and his kindness. And the glorious things that he's done in our lives in a simple language that people can understand. And that's why Paul says we explain spiritual realities with spirit-taught words. And that's why we long for the work of the Spirit in our lives so he can give us the words to speak about who he is to everybody else. Amen? And then the second thing I want to just say this morning, and I'm not going to be long because, yeah, I'm aware I can be too long sometimes, but I'm hoping to be shorter this morning. In verse 14 to 16, do you notice that Paul makes a comparison between what he he calls the natural man and the spiritual man. And he says this, the per person without the spirit, that's the natural man. Another, some translations use that and say the natural man. The person without the Holy Spirit does not accept the things that come from the spirit, but considers them foolishness and cannot understand them because they are discerned only through the spirit. The person with the spirit, in other words, every born again believer, makes judgments about all things, 
But such a person is not subject to merely human judgments, for who has known the mind of the Lord as to instruct him? That's a quote from Isaiah, which we'll look at. And then he says, but we have the mind of Christ. What a beautiful, beautiful thing. So the natural man, the, the man without the spirit, the person without the spirit does not receive the things of the spirit of God, says Paul in verse 14. And here the Greek word is, is really a very helpful one. And forgive my translation, the Greeks that we have today. It's sukikos is the Greek word. And it, what it means is it describes someone who's completely materialistic. That's what it means. It means um, it's some, describing someone who, who, who lives as if there's nothing beyond this material world. That the only thing we can depend on is what we see. Yes? How much of our culture is like that? You can only depend on what you can see. There's nothing spiritual. There's no spiritual reality outside of what we can see with our physical eyes. This is what our culture encourages us to think and believe all the time. And so that's how we all start life. We are, we are alive as human beings, but we do not have the Holy Spirit yet. We are natural men. And there's nothing wrong uh, with living uh, in a natural world. We, we all have to get on and live in a natural world, and Paul is not against that. But what he is saying is, is, is if you are still a natural man without the Holy Spirit, you are not able to live um, in a spiritual way. You're, not, you're, not unable to, you're still unregenerate, you're unsaved, and your nature is still unchanged by grace. And so you get on and you live your life in, in, in the world, and you eat and you sleep and you make money and you have fun and you do all this stuff, but you're not able to perceive spiritual reality unless there's an inward transformation that has happened by the power of the Holy Spirit. That, that's what Paul is saying. And so there's nothing inherently sinful in living in a material world, but Paul is saying it's, if, you, if you're not born again, you're living without spiritual insight. The natural man, the person without the Holy Spirit, does not receive the things of God because he considers them foolish. Spiritual things are foolishness to natural men and women. Why waste time on spiritual things when I could be making lots of money, traveling all over the world, and having fun? That's how everyone thinks whose nature has not yet been transformed by the grace of God. That's what Paul is saying. We all thought like that at one time. And Paul says, I was the worst of that kind of person because I killed God's people as well. But his grace touched me. Amen? And so it's not like he's not being condescending. He's just saying this is how we all are without Jesus. We're unable to perceive these things. And as he says also, the natural man doesn't even want to think of those things because he regards them as foolishness. And he can't understand them because these are discerned by the Spirit. And here again, this word discerned, I had a look at the Greek here, and it's also very, very interesting. It's anakarino, which means... Uh, it's a legal term, a judicial term, which means it's speaking of all the evidence that you gather before the trial begins. Isn't that a very interesting way of Paul putting it? And he only uses this word in this letter, nowhere else in the New Testament. He's saying, when you're trying to discern spiritual things, if you're trying to gather the evidence, you can't do it in a logical, natural way like you would gather evidence for a trial. It doesn't happen like that. This comes by a different way. It comes by revelation, by God's presence in your life, by God giving you this gift that your heart is opened and you begin to understand who God is, who Jesus is, and all that he's done for you. 
And that's why we talk about being born again. Uh, Paul is saying here that the natural man, the, the, the unspiritual man, the person who's not yet born again, who's not been transformed by the grace of God, cannot gather the evidence about who God is and or, uh, cannot ga gather the evidence of spiritual things or understand them because they are discerned not by logic, they are discerned by the Spirit. They are given as a gift. And then you begin to understand. That's why I said last week, before you're a Christian, you read the Bible, you think, what is this? I don't understand. What, what is this? What, what, what? It's like confusing. And then suddenly when you have come to Christ and you're born again, the eyes of your heart are open. And suddenly, <laughs> yes, that's what it's to understand now. That's what Paul is meaning. That's what Jesus means when he says these things. There's a revelation that comes because the heart has been opened. And so Paul is emphasizing here that the unspiritual, unregenerate, natural man who's not born again, who hasn't been transformed by grace, can't gather this evidence about spiritual things because they are discerned in a spiritual way, not in a natural way. And someone, one of the theologians has put it like this. He said, it would be wrong to expect the natural man to see and value spiritual things, just as it would be wrong to expect a corpse to see the material world. Shall I read that again? It would be wrong to expect the natural man to see and value spiritual things, just as it would be wrong to expect a corpse to see the material world. What is, what is this person saying? It's impossible unless you are alive to see the spiritual things of God. And that's why Paul uses the language and he says, we are dead in our sins. We are dead. We cannot, sorry, too loud. We cannot, we cannot even see. We are dead. And then God brings life to us by the power of his spirit. And we were once dead and now we are alive and we can see. You can't see anything when you are dead. Don't expect your friends that are dead to see. They cannot see. What can we pray? We can pray with compassion and say, God, open their eyes that they can see. I can't make them do it, but the power of your spirit can. Open their eyes, open their hearts that they can see you. Come on. That's how we need to pray for our unsaved friends. Not get frustrated. They are dead. And I don't say that in an uncompassionate, unkind way. I too once was dead, but now I see. And I want everyone to see. I want to help people see Jesus, but I can only do what I can do and trust that the power of the Spirit opens their eyes and their hearts that they too can see the great God of heaven who loves them as a father. That's what we're gonna pray about tonight that God would open people's eyes in Cambodia, they can see him, they would open our neighbor's eyes so that they can see him. Come on. This is worth getting excited about. This is what the gospel is. And we need to see God move by the power of his spirit. And, and I, I wanna put it to you this morning, unfortunately, that too many of us as Christians still live like natural, natural people. When we don't discern things by the spirit, if we don't allow the grace of God to completely transform our lives, and our thinking, and what we value, we're still living like natural men. We're still unspiritual. And Paul will talk about that later in chapter three. He says you, you, you are born again, but you're living like carnal people. You're not thinking yet like 
grace transformed believers in how you value each other and how you value what God is doing in the church. It's still carnal. And there's still much about us that is carnal that needs to be transformed. Sorry, I'm not angry, all right? Sometimes I get loud and I think people think I'm angry. I'm not angry, all right? This is what Paul is trying to help us understand. And if we're just living our lives with the bottom line, what is practical, what, what works, that's how, we, that's how we judge everything. Paul says that's still living like a person that is not fully transformed by the grace of God because there's a spiritual dimension to your life that God wants you to live by that comes by the Spirit. And so that's why verse 15, he says, the person with the Spirit, that's the Christian, makes judgments about all things, but such a person, the Christian, is not subject to hu merely human judgment. And here, remember I said, started by saying, Paul's really talking about those that love new ideas and love philosophy. And he's saying, he's recognizing that he's speaking to all of us as Christians, and he's, he's again just emphasizing we're transformed by the Holy Spirit. And he's just saying here that they are recognizing that there are people in the church that still were wanting to be acclaimed for their human wisdom. But he's saying, no, we don't judge by human wisdom. We judge by the revelation of what God has done in us by the power of the Spirit. And so here Paul is making the point that every single one of us whose life has been transformed by the power of the Spirit is enabled to make judgments on all things. And what are the all things? The all things are the things that God has prepared for us that love Him. So we can meditate on the goodness of God. We can meditate on the rich treasure of who Jesus is. We can enjoy all those things because of the power of the Spirit in our lives. Such good news. So if you're saved, if you know Jesus, you have been given the Holy Spirit to enjoy Jesus richly, lavishly, in the fullness of who He is. God has given you this incredible gift to enjoy Jesus by the power of the Holy Spirit. And let's celebrate that. Every single one of us. And we are not subject to human judgment. We're not subject to those that think they are incredibly clever and who want to be admired for their worldly wisdom. You see, there were those in the church that even despised Paul because they said Paul wasn't clever enough. He wasn't showing enough Greek, wis Greek wisdom in the church. But Paul is reminding us here, he's just saying again, that's not what enables us to enjoy Jesus. The Holy Spirit enables us to enjoy Jesus. And so that's why every Christian has a deep treasure in Jesus that the unspiritual, un the man that is not born again, the person that is not born again can know nothing about. And that's why Paul finishes by quoting Isaiah 40 verse 13. Who has known the mind of the Lord so as to instruct him? But we have the mind of Christ. In other words, Paul's saying, who's in a position to criticize God's wisdom? There's no one. Who can understand the secrets of God? None of the worldly philosophers can. None of the kind of really clever people of ancient Greece could understand God's wisdom. But every Christian can. <laughs> By the power of the Spirit. As a gift. Not because we're clever or worthy in any way, but just because God loves us. He lavishes it upon us and he says, here, I give you this gift that you can understand who my son is and he can transform your life by the power of the Spirit as you love him. And he transforms you from the inside out. And so every Christian can, every Christian does understand we have the mind of Christ. And every time I read that, I just kind of, it blows my mind that Paul would say, we have the mind of Christ. You have the mind of Jesus by the power of the Holy Spirit. And he wants to show you if you will ask. 
He wants to reveal the fullness of who he is. As you ask, he'll show you who he is. What a beautiful thing. Amen? It is so beautiful. We are able to understand the things of God. We have the mind of Christ. We have been given the Holy Spirit. We know God's salvation plan. We can experience his wisdom, his joy, his love, his grace, his kindness, his goodness. We have the mind of Christ.